Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 931. Chapter 142. Home. Eventually, we docked in Tarbine, where the sailors helped me find a cheap berth on a billow boat heading upstream toward Anellan. I got off two days later in Imra and walked to the university just as the first blue light of dawn was coloring the sky. I never in my life had anything like a home. As a young child, I grew up on the road, endlessly traveling with my troop. Home wasn't a place. It was people and wagons. Later, in Tarbin, I had had a secret place where three roofs came together and gave me shelter from the rain. I slept there and hid a few precious things, but it wasn't anything like a home. Because of this, I'd never in my life enjoyed the feeling of coming home after a journey. I felt it for the first time that day, as I crossed the Omathai, the stones of the bridge familiar underneath my feet. As I came to the tallest part of its broad arch, I could see the gray shape of the archives rising out of the trees ahead of me. The streets of the university were comforting under my feet. I'd been gone for three quarters of a year. In some ways, it seemed much longer. But at the same time, everything here felt so familiar that it felt like hardly any time at all had passed. It was still early when I got to Anchors and the front door was locked. I briefly considered climbing up to my window, then thought better of it, given that I was carrying my loot case and travel sack and wearing caesura as well. Instead, I made my way to the muse and knocked on Simmons' door. It was early and I knew I'd be waking him, but I was hungry for a familiar face. After waiting a short minute and hearing nothing, I knocked again louder and practiced my best jaunty smile. Sim opened the door, his hair in disarray, his eyes red from too little sleep. And that's the page. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. And uh, Nick is on his own journey uh, as we speak. Yes. So Jordana. I, I, yes, yes. I like, uh, this is a very like comfortable way to re-enter the university. But I also like uh, how Rothfuss writes it to feel really familiar. Like, like the idea of like getting to a place that you consider home and what makes it that. Because, yeah. like, it's not necessarily that it's the place, but it's, like, the familiarity of things around that place, sort of. Yeah, yeah. And it's, like, it's the way the place makes you feel, right? Like, it's, you know, it's not that, like, there's anything intrinsic to the university that makes it home. But it's, you know, the relationships he has with the people who live there and, you know, the memories he made in the places, you know, in, in the buildings and in the town of Imra. Like, that's that's what makes it a home, right? Mm-hmm. And also, like, the idea of coming back to that place and wanting to see a familiar face right away. It's like, uh, I think of it as, like, when I, would, when I would go to away camp as a kid and, like, 
the the first day that I would get home, I would always be like, I want to go see my friends. And my parents would be like, no, you really need to sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I relate to that for sure. Yeah, returning, returning somewhere familiar after a time away. And yeah. like, I think Rothfuss does a good job of making us also feel like we're returning home uh, by the way that um, he sort of starts to slowly reintroduce the familiar landmarks to us. Yes. And it, yeah, I guess it's kind of, it's returning the reader home in a way too. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I also feel like if I was Sim and someone started knocking on my door at like six in the morning, I would be, I would not be in a position to receive visitors. Yeah. Well, I, it realistically, I would, I normally wake up at six, but I can understand why most people would not be. <laughs> disgusting <laughs> i also go to bed at like 9 30 <laughs> you sure do it it also like it i guess it sort of speaks to the way travel works and the way i don't know there's just like something kind of interesting to me about both arriving basically at like you know five in the morning where he's getting in and like there is something kind of surreal when you are traveling and because traveling takes a while and schedules can be weird. Like sometimes you just end up getting to the place you're going at a really bizarre time of day, like five in the morning. And it, it's all just a little bit like off, you know, because like there's no, I do around. like either getting somewhere or leaving somewhere at a transitional point in the day, like a, like a sunrise sunset kind of dealy is always like it fe- it feels auspicious. Interesting. And you don't, you don't feel that way. You don't feel like it's auspicious. No. I think that there's like some symbolism story-wise for him to be like arriving essentially at sunrise. Like it's the start of a new day. It's the start of him being back at the university. Mm. It's like thematic resonance or something. Uh, why do you think he doesn't just knock on the front door at Anchors? I Probably because they aren't within earshot of the front door. I feel like if he made enough of a racket, they'd come and open the door for him. I don't know, I guess waking up Sim seemed like a better option than waking up, like, Anchor? I suppose so. It just, it strikes me as odd. Maybe because I, when I am traveling, would want to dump my luggage as soon as possible. Yeah, but we know Kvothe kind of travels light as it is. He's carrying, well, the reason he doesn't climb up to his window is because he's carrying his loot case and his travel sack and he's wearing a sword. So he's not traveling particularly light. He actually does have luggage. But he has luggage that he can carry on his back. He can carry his travel sack on his back. He's car- He must be carrying his loot case in one hand. Well, he's probably wearing his sword, though. Yeah. He but- has at least one hand free. <laughs> yeah, but that sucks. That's bad. Not good. Yeah. <sighs> the only thing that could be worse is if he had another hand full. I'm just saying, like, if I was Quoth, I would rather dump my stuff at the inn and then go see my friend. This is reasonable, but... I don't know. I'm not really bothered by the fact that he doesn't drop his stuff. It seems like I, I, in my mind, the way that I think about it is like there wouldn't have been anyone to answer the door at Anchor's. Why, why not? Because I don't think that that Anchor sleeps within earshot of the front door of the bar. Like, because <laughs> if you think about the way that it's probably set up, like. I imagine it as being set up so you'd have the door and then if you entered through the door, you would have like the main room 
and like a reception of some form or or like a bar okay um, but like think like a big about desk. it for, but like think about it anchor probably sleeps on the second floor in one of the rooms at the inn right and you think he'd hear quoth knocking from the second floor i hear people knocking on my front door and i live on the second floor oh okay uh like, as i i mean i don't have maybe i just maybe i don't have very good hearing but what i can't wait are you saying what because it's a it's a joke sorry you are you're doing it i know what you're doing i see it i mean i hear it but <laughs> whatever <laughs> my point is i also too used to live on the second floor of a place and i did not hear doors so maybe anchor is old and doesn't hear doors seems like a skill issue it's a skill issue that Quoth might be aware of. I guess. I think really what this is here to serve is to remind us that Anchors is where he lives. I think Rothfuss is like introdu- reintroducing us to all the familiar locations in the university. He's like, okay, what's he going to do when he gets back? He's back in the university town. He's going to knock on Anchor's door. But I don't actually want the first person he talks to to be Anchor. So Anchor's not going to be there. But I do want to remind the reader that that's where he lives. So I have to have it in there. That's kind of what I think is happening. All right. Is there anything else you want to talk about on this page? Nah, this page is not. uh... Yeah, I guess maybe I want to talk about Quoth's jaunty smile. Why does he have to have a jaunty smile? Wouldn't you want to smile when you see your friend for the first time in nine months? Yeah, but I feel like you would do it automatically. You wouldn't have to practice it. Feels weird that he's practicing it. Eh, doesn't bother me. Okay. Sometimes well, I think about the impression I want to make when I see someone. I suppose this is a reasonable argument. All right. Maybe we'll have a reasonable argument in a letter. Ah, yes. The mailbag. Mailbag. This letter is from our friend Curtis, who writes on a mosaic of cultural assumptions and questions. On page 811, you discuss Shaheen's mosaic and what it could say about her, but you overlooked what this description says about Quoth. He does not call it a mosaic, but instead describes it. Assuming that Rothfuss or his editor or one of his beta readers knows what a mosaic is, assuming that we are identifying this art properly and assuming that Quoth, being the knowledgeable and worldly young lad that he is, would know the proper name for this form of art if he had been presented with that information in the past, I think we can infer from the fact that he did not name it that Quoth's culture and every other culture which he has ever learned about to the extent that he has done so does not have mosaics. Perhaps the mosaic is a specifically ADEM form of art in this world. If so, I wonder what that says about them and other cultures. Is it a particularly careful, mindful, and slow practice to make a mosaic? Does it require certain materials? Does the presence of a mosaic and the lack of other such works of art in a demer imply a lack of the corresponding materials or artistic philosophy? What about the reverse for elsewhere? Or perhaps this mosaic was imported from somewhere even further afield. These are genuine questions which I do not know the answers and for which I invite feedback, but I do think this is a statement about both Edemic and Aturin, or non-Edemic Tamarant, cultures. Uh, Edit. Jeremy later noted that we have not seen mosaics before and that they have associations with the Mediterranean for culturally European audiences. All of this is true and speaks toward what I was addressing, but still... I think that the fact that Quoth does not even have a word for this form of art, rather than merely never having uh, mentioned it to the reader as something that he's aware of, states the point even more forcefully. In artfully yours, Curtis. Interesting. Also, I don't know. I, I feel like there's not like a lot for us to say upon that letter other than to appreciate it. I think that those are questions that are worth thinking about and pondering because precisely because they aren't answered definitively in the text. I think this is a world building detail 
of the kind where the author drops in a detail and that detail implies a bunch of questions that you then get to sort of ruminate about. But I think what what is most important to communicate is that it is another thing about the Adam culture that is very different from the culture that Quoth is used to. Cause you're right. He hasn't like seen this form of art before. I mean, theoretically, um, I guess I, it would depend on like what their shipping is like, but it, because the Adam live in like a, a mountain range, pretty much there's probably a lot of different stone available to them. So mosaic would make sense. Um, not that you couldn't make a mosaic with like a painted stone, but theoretically, generally, like Roman mosaics were made with like stones that just were that color. I thought they were made with tiles. Yeah. Well, oh, oh, like yeah, like you would you would make them. Yes, but like, like what I'm saying tiles. is they're not painted. Like it's not like a piece of. It's not like a piece of something that you then paint a color onto and then place. It's a thing that is that color. Um, so oh. you would want to have a lot of available minerals to, say, make a tile or to cut a stone. You would want to have those options available to you. Well, and if you're in some... a mountain range, you probably have a lot of that going on. Are there any mosaics? I thought that there were some mosaics that were made of like enameled tiles that were like enameled a certain color and then like sealed. Um, probably... Because mosaics have been around for so long that they've probably evolved over time. But I think, like, the older mosaics that last a really long time are generally, like, the reason they retain their color is because the the rock is that color. Or All the right. tile is that color. Well, there you the go. piece this of is... stuff is that color. Listeners, there you have it. This has been Art History Hour with Jordana, and uh, it's been a, it's been more like a, more than a facts. decade. Actually, it's been exactly a decade since I've been in school, so my knowledge might be fuzzy. Um, also, there's like hundreds of different kinds of mosaics from around the world, so I'm not saying I know everything about mosaics. <laughs> I'm just saying I have learned some things about mosaics. By no means should anything I say be taken as as in actual history. I'm just saying Listen, these are some things that I read in a book at one point in my life more than a decade ago. Listeners, you should assume that everything Jordana just said is 100% true on God tomorrow's damn page. damn it, Jeremy! Tomorrow's page of the wind. wind. <laughs>